My name is Lloyd Hambridge, um, and I'm a Welsh Clinical Fellow. And today I'm going to be speaking with Amy, who's a pre-registration pharmacist in Aaron Bevan. I'll ask her to introduce herself in a second. Um, and this is a resource for RPS, um, Royal Pharmaceutical Society, and it's around the discussion for primary care and a resource for pre-registration pharmacists within primary care. So if I just um, pass over, first of all, to Amy, if you're okay, just to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background for yourself. Yeah, thanks, Lloyd. Um, I'm Amy. I'm a pre-reg pharmacist at the Royal Grant Hospital um, under the Nairn Bevan House Board. Um, I'm currently doing a full sector um, within hospital, um, but I did do a week cross-sector um, within primary care as well. Okay, perfect. So, the purpose of our sort of discussion today really is that um, you're looking to have um, a bit more information around primary care and what primary care practice involves. Um, so I am a primary care pharmacist and work um, in several GP practices. So within Wales, it's broken down into 64 clusters um, and each cluster has anything between three to seven GP practices and population sizes vary from 30,000 to around about 60,000. Um, so it's really for you to ask me any questions that you feel necessary that might um, help you gain some information with regards to uh, options within primary care. Um, so feel free to um, ask any questions. Thank you. I wanted to start just by asking you what your like daily role and duty is um, within primary care. Okay, um, so as I mentioned really, my um, role within primary care is working across several GP practices. Um, so I cover more than one and cover a cluster area. Um, but the activities that I undertake within the role is quite varying depending on the type of practice that I'm working in and the needs of that practice. And additional to that is as well as the population requirements in those certain areas. So I am uh, an independent prescriber. So um, within all my practices, I do run prescribing clinics, so particularly in the field of respiratory disease. So predominantly asthma, COPD, um, and that includes acute exacerbations of those. So my normal day would normally involve a clinic um, either in the morning or in the afternoon around respiratory disease. And then the other period of the times then I'll either be undertaking uh, medication reviews, home visits or care home visits for um, medication reconciliation or polypharmacy reviews um, and dealing with prescription queries, prescription requests, um, and re the repeat prescribing processes as well. So it's a quite a varied day and it does vary depending on each of the practices that I work in um, and also on the time of year and which services are required at different points in that time. Okay, that's cool. Um, I just wonder, what is your favourite thing about um, working within primary care? Um, so there are a couple of things really. So um, previously I was a secondary care pharmacist, so a hospital pharmacist, um, and I really enjoyed the, the multidisciplinary working and using clinical skills. And I think that's carried over into primary care. So in primary care, you are based really in, um, integrated with multidisciplinary team and you use your clinical skills in a more autonomous way than um, I have probably used it previously in the hospital setting. So if there was sort of one element that would um, come through with regards to uh, what I enjoy about the role really is that autonomy and being able to use 
a variety of skills and discuss issues with a full multidisciplinary team. Okay. Um, you said that you were in hospital before. Did you struggle to find um, your role and place within the GP practice when you changed? So I was um, one of the sort of earliest um, pharmacists moving into the cluster models uh, within Wales. So that um, cluster model started in 2015. And that's when I started within the role. And at that time, it really was um, trying to establish what the role of a pharmacist was within general practice, and particularly what a role of a pharmacist was um, within a cluster of uh, general practices as well. So the initial point in period of time, it was um, a bit of a struggle really to try and establish where you were within that multidisciplinary team. Um, but as soon as um, the role started to develop when you started to um you know sell the unique selling point of a pharmacist around being the expert in medicines um and also some of the clinical skills that um you can develop as a pharmacist and being able to use them in specific clinics that's when it became a lot easier um for pharmacists to then find their position and i think part of that came with public perception as well and so at the beginning um farm uh, public wouldn't or hadn't had much experience having a medication review or an appointment with a pharmacist um, and that was a bit of a struggle and um, trying to explain in every appointment um, what each uh, value is of having a pharmacist doing the review um, but that has eased as time has gone on and word of mouth with the patients um, in regards to the benefits that can come from it so I think the early days, it was a bit of a struggle, really just getting around and making sure that people are aware of the benefits of what a pharmacist can do, um, the limitations of what a pharmacist can do, um, and also the supplementary to the multidisciplinary team and they're not replacing any roles. Okay, thank you. Um, and I was just wondering, do you have any advice for any pre-edge pharmacists out there how to further develop their consultation skills? Yeah, so um, experience is probably the biggest factor with regards to consultation skills. Um, so there are numerous resources available. So in Wales, um, we have an educational body called Health Education Improvement in Wales, um, and they have uh, education resources around consultation skills, which are both um, sort of directed study, but also avatar-based learning, which helps um, with regards to building confidence with patients. Um, but the best way, I think, is by undertaking um, consultations and honing your skills um, through lived experiences. So um, as a pre-registration pharmacist, you would probably, and you can tell me otherwise, the, you know, from the first day of your pre-reg to where you are now, you've probably honed those skills um, you know, in the dispensary, working on the hospital wards. And it's a similar situation, really, um, within primary care, obviously, um, most of the times you will be alone in a room um, with a patient undertaking a consultation um, and that um, brings about other challenges um, but I think building the experience and having opportunities to develop is something that uh, will help develop your consultation skills. The, is also um, more formal training. So um, Cardiff University um, do have um, consultation skills training, um, as well as other educational providers, um, which will help build that. And as we are currently uh, in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, there's a lot of a drive really for remote consultation skills training and telephone, um, as well as video consultation consulting and um, so there's a lot of training packages that are coming out in regards to that as well 
do you feel that you have developed your consultation skills since your beginning of your pre-reg to where you are now? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, apologies, I didn't mean to be asking you questions. I know it's the other way around. <laughs> and I was just wondering, um, time management is really important when you're a pharmacist. I was just wondering, how do you manage um, the appointments and what do you do if they start to run late? Okay, so um, good question, because there's a couple of uh, different elements to that, really. So I think, first of all, is planning. So planning and preparation is very important. So normally, my appointments are booked in advance, so I'm able to look into a little bit of detail for those individuals before they do come into the consultation. So I'm not um, using time that I could be using discussing with the patient, um, looking at information on a screen instead of engaging with the patient. So a lot of it is about planning um, also it's about having realistic expectations so starting when you begin first of all doing consultations with a longer period of time that you than you might feel necessary for each appointment so you can take extra time and develop your techniques and skills to make sure they're succinct consultations and then as time goes on reducing those time periods down um, so any um, clinician of any experience will tell you that you know managing time against people's expectations is difficult um, and you know you can go into any practice uh, in the UK now and there'll be some clinicians running late others not running late and part of it really is to not let that affect how you then manage the next patient um, so you not to you know have make sure you rush through a consultation just so you can keep ahead of time but make sure you're addressing the patient's needs so that they get a value from the consultation um, and are not just sort of feeling they're being rushed through there are um, skills and techniques you can use during an appointment so you know most patients um, if you let them talk right at the beginning of the consultation they aren't likely to extend their, con their conversation past two minutes or so um, and it depends obviously because uh, I'm work in the South Wales Valley and it's uh, people tend to speak a lot more and a lot quicker there as well um, but normally they'll exhaust their information then and then it's around using your consultation skills and techniques then so start moving with opening questions and then narrowing that down to more closed questions um, and making sure you what we call clunking and checking so paraphrasing what the patient has said and saying it back to them to make sure that you aren't missing any elements um, and that you um, addressing their needs or their ideas and concerns. Thanks, Louise. That's okay. Um, I'm just, do you have any advice for any pre-reg pharmacists who would have liked to have done a GP um, cross-sector placement but wasn't able to? Yeah, so um, what I would suggest is that if you're based within a health board um, or a trust if you're in England, um, then get in contact with your primary care teams or your line managers to see if there are any options around shadowing to gain that experience post-registration. Um, also, I see if you're working in a community pharmacy session, then it's um, you know contacting your local cluster or PCN. Again, if you work in England, that will help um, engage and get some of those relationships built. Um, there are a lot of training resources. There are a lot of forums where you can gain information, um, and that is available. So um, I'd encourage anyone to be a member of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society um, because that is a lot of uh, information on there. But also there's other organisations such as the Primary Care Pharmacist Association. 
um, that does have um, details on there and also there's mentorship opportunities that may be able to get um, further information around cross-sector placements um, so you can get a full understanding. I think the benefit of whatever sector you have done your pre-reg and if you have done your pre-reg in just a single sector and haven't been able to get experience in others is trying as much as you can to get opportunities to shadow or experience other sectors so you can get a full picture of the wraparound care that a patient has and um, it'll give you a better understanding of your role um, wherever you are working um, but also it'll give you a greater appreciation of your colleagues and how they all fit within the healthcare system. Thank you. Um, and just wanted to ask as well, um, at times when you feel like you have to refer patients to maybe someone more senior, how do you do this without raising alarm to the patient or losing the patient's trust and your abilities? Okay, so I think this is um, probably something more that um, either junior colleagues or pharmacists in general or new, um, or new clinicians to primary care tend to worry about more than we probably should. Um, so within practice, GPs will regularly um, advise patients that they need to speak to another colleague and speak to another GP. And it's reassuring to the patient that, you know, they are seeking out further guidance and help. Um, so in my instance, oh, and this is one of the sort of the nuances with primary care is that a lot of the time a patient comes in you and sees you for one specific uh, issues such as a medication review and during that consultation it comes up here uh, or becomes apparent that there's something else that is an issue and you do need to seek um, either a senior colleague or a colleague from a different profession um, to review that individual and the key thing really is not to alarm the patient um, and to make sure that they clearly understand why you're doing it so um, patients are completely understanding when you say to them that this is outside of my scope of practice and I would value an opinion of someone who has this within their scope of practice and more often than not patients are happy with that. So it's just having awareness of your scope of practice and an understanding that it's more appropriate um, for other individuals and other professions. So that could be a physio, that could be a nurse practitioner or it could be a GP um, or the other profession, for example, um, to be best placed to see that individual. And as long as you give fuller reasons why you reassure the patient, then it doesn't normally result in any issues or alarm for the patient. Thanks, Lloyd. I just have one final question. Have you ever tell a patient a crucial piece of information um, but they've left the surgery? And if so, how have you rectified the situation? Okay, so there has been examples um, where I have um, had issues and forgotten a piece of information or that I felt there might have been a misunderstanding with information that is being provided and that will happen with any healthcare professional in any stage of your career so it's, first of all it's not to worry and not to think that you know one consultation is the only aspect that you can have with a patient so what I have done in the previous instances where that may or may not have happened is um, first of all just contact the patient back so that can either be by telephone, um, letter, um, or if you have electronic mechanisms of contacting the patient, such as e-consult, etc., and that might be the option. Um, what is um, important really is to identify the urgency. So if you think a crucial information piece of information is urgent and needed, then that should be action straight away. So you know, in that instance, a letter is probably not appropriate. 
or if it's something is more general, for example, you know, the next time that they do their review, you've told them a different time or you've different information with regards to a medication, then that could probably be provided by an email or a letter, for example. So it's really just contacting the patient back and clarifying. And again, like the previous question where you asked about um, referring on to senior individuals or different professions, it's just making clear to the patient as to why you've contacted them. So you can say, you know, that I just wanted to reiterate this point because I think I may not have told you that information or I didn't make it as clear as possible um, on the previous occasion. So it's just being clear and also, you know, patients completely understand and would appreciate um, people contacting and looking up information. Thank you. Was there any other questions at all, or Amy, or did you have um, any comments or anything that you were sort of um, were hoping otherwise in this discussion? No, I think it was really useful for you to explain like your daily roles and what you do, and just to to, re to, re to reiterate um, to not be afraid to like ask for help when you need you and to to refer and how patients actually can see that as a positive thing. So I think it's really useful for you to share those with us, and thank you. And um, thank you for your time as well, Amy, because uh, you know there's a lot going on with the pre-registration at the moment. So, um, and I, you know, can only say that having as much experience as you can in every sector, um, you know, and understanding how each centre integrates with each sector is important. So, um, you know, and I'm sure that anybody who listens to this conversation. Who is a pre-registration pharmacist would get, uh, get some benefit from it so appreciate you um spending your time and having the conversation with myself thank you lloyd that's okay